0: Well, good evening. I'm glad that you're here. If nobody else is, I am. I'm glad that you came and joined us tonight. And we wanna welcome our online audience as well. I'm just real... I mean, tonight's worship was just on point. I'm still like in my head just going, yeah, he's faithful. Uh, because earlier today, right before worship started, I got a little text on the text thing. And then it said, hey, Pastor, uh, one of our life group leaders was texting me. And she's saying, I got my test back. And there was no cancer, no anything, no precancer cells. And so... It just was a little bit more real tonight for me. I'm like, yeah, hallelujah. I don't ever text that word hallelujah, but we're saying that tonight. I'm like, hallelujah, hallelujah. All right, this is awesome. God is so good and he is faithful. And we're glad that you're joining us. We're ending a series tonight entitled Love Like Jesus. And we've been on a journey taking pictures, snippets of how Christ just spontaneously and just, you know, irrationally sometimes showed us love. Uh, to you know modeled love for us and last week we talked about how he washed the disciples feet and that a servant is not what we do but a servant is who we are when we've been served when Christ left you know heaven to come down not to to be served but to serve he modeled serving to us and we talked about that last week and then the previous week before that we talked about uh, how God uh, forgives and that's how we're to love others by forgiving them we pray for those who hurt us I know that's tough and we forgive as we've been forgiven. And so tonight we're going to take one more snapshot of how Christ loved in a different way, and often when we talk about, you know, Jesus and we talk about why he came, everyone, we know why Jesus came, we had a huge issue with sin and he had to solve that sin issue, we know why Jesus came, we talk a lot about, he came to seek and save that was lost, he came to redeem, he came to forgive, we know why he, we we know, we talk about that, why he came, but we don't talk a lot about, about how he came, yes he came as an infant, and yes he came preaching, and he came teaching, and he came doing miracles, all that is true but there's another way that Jesus came and we're gonna capture on that and tonight we're talking about Jesus breaking bread and, and it says this in Luke chapter 7 that the Son of Man came we're talking about how he came the Son of Man came eating and drinking that, that's interesting isn't it uh, the Bible says that the Son of Man came how did Jesus come we know why he came but how did he come he came eating and and drinking, and and in some versions of scripture, when you read the translation, some people even claim that he did a little bit too much of that. You know, he ate too much and he drank too much. They called him a drunkard and a glutton. And automatically, some of you are going, I got a lot more in common with Jesus than I thought I did. I I I'm a little bit more connected to him than I thought I was, right? The word of God says that he came eating and drinking. And tonight we're going to take a picture of a, a, a look at a different picture of Christ. Breaking bread and what it truly means to love like Jesus in the form of breaking bread. Now, meals in the first century, eating time, sitting down and having dinner uh, with your family was way different. It had a way different purpose. Yes, it was so you don't die and you had food in your stomach. That was still the same purpose it is today. But there was a lot of personal attachment to dinner time in the, in the first century uh, they, they would eat and gather for intimate relationship purposes. It was a whole fiasco, it was a whole deal that it was a, when someone came into your house, they they were invited because you were trying to get to know them personally, there was a lot of personal intimacy, it was designed around fellowship, the way they sat, the way people were served, it was just a really big major motion thing that happened at dinner time in the first century. It was a big deal, if you were invited over to someone's house for dinner, they were saying something to you, not just come try my wife's meatloaf, they were saying, hey, we really value the relationship. Relationship. We really value the, the the potential relationship if they were new or if they were a friend that you'd had for a long time and you were in their house. It was to deepen that friendship that they had with you. It was all around the experience of being in each other's presence in the first century. Much much different today uh the purpose of dinner sometimes you know dinner is what that microwave dings and that's dinner right and it's as fast as it can get and we have drive throughs and dinner and eating has changed its purpose but there are still some of us in this room guilty as charged that we eat because we are social eaters we may not even be hungry but we if our friends ask us to go out we're going to go out especially if you've been in a church world right the church knows how to eat. Why? Because we got a lot of great modeling from Jesus. He came eating and drinking, okay? And, and so we love to eat in the church. Growing up at church, there were potlucks and Pot this, we weren't allowed to say luck, pot trusts, right? That's what they were called. Uh, and we, I mean, all the time gathering at some lady's house and we were eating her food. And I mean, it was just a blast. Friends getting in trouble. I just remember uh, back when I was younger that that's what we did when we went to church. It was all about eating all the time. And I remember I brought a friend. He's like, I love y'all's church. There's always donuts. There's always food. There's always something that we get to eat uh, when we go to your church. And I just thought that was fun. never even remembered or, or thought about it. Just he's right. We always had food in our church when we were growing up. And on the most sacred of nights, okay, this is not just a trite talk about what you're going to serve for dinner when you have your small group, okay. On the most sacred night of Christ's last time on this planet, his moments are counting down uh, when he's going to be on this side of being resurrected before he is to be crucified. His final moments, what does he do? He gathers his disciples for what? A meal. The Bible says they gathered in an upper room in a special place set up for them, and they broke bread, and they had a meal. Tonight we're going to talk about the significance of that and how it relates to loving like Jesus. And we're going to look through the lens of this meal of community. That's really what Jesus was doing. He was saying, guys, on my last night, I want to be around the people that are most important to me. And he brought these disciples together. And the scripture tells us in Acts chapter two, what happened, uh, excuse me, that's not what we're gonna talk about. That happened in the upper room. We know that happened, sorry. And, and, and they, they they sat there, they had the breaking of the bread, and we take communion today. And it talks about how, you know, we, we pass the bread, we pass the cup. It represents I'm taking a piece of Christ, I'm taking a piece of his blood. It's a, it's a symbolic thing, and, and Scripture tells us that we're to do this in remembrance of Jesus. The, the one thing that we get to do to remind ourselves of who Jesus is is we get to eat and drink, okay? Uh, it's a part of uh, this, this, this intimacy with Christ that comes with having fellowship. And the disciples, they didn't, they didn't forget this moment. Well, first of all, because Jesus told them, remember this moment. So they took that to heart. And, and when, when Jesus dies and resurrects a few days later and reveals himself to them, they, what, do they, what does he find them doing? They find Jesus cooking fish. I mean, it's like, seriously, he really is all up. You know, this is a really big deal to him, eating and drinking. And, and he, he invited them to this breakfast and he teaches them another lesson right before he goes. He goes up to heaven later on in Acts chapter 1. And then the disciples are without Jesus and they're going, okay, now it's on us. It's on us to start this thing, to kickstart the movement called the church. And and it's on us to to keep the legacy alive. It's on us to carry the mantle of who Jesus is in our lives, with our family and our friends. And that's where we're going to be in Acts chapter 2. We pick up where the disciples have started after Christ has gone. Because they're trying to model who he was and model the importance of being in community together. And we find in Acts chapter 2 this famous verse we've read it many times from this platform over over again because it's an important text but i want to take it from the lens of community tonight if we can acts chapter 2 verse 42 and 47 jesus is already gone peter's had that famous speech in acts chapter 2 where thousands have been saved and then this verse kicks us right in the teeth at the beginning of that at the end of that chapter verse 42 they who are they They they're the disciples The family of the disciples, the followers of Jesus, those that have been invited from this 3,000 member, you know, a sermon that just took place a few verses up. And it says, they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to fellowship, come on, say it with me, and to the breaking of bread. They they devoted themselves to to fellowship and to the breaking of bread and to prayer. Everyone was filled with awe at the many wonders and signs performed by the apostles. All the believers were what? They were together and had everything in common. They sold property and possessions to give to one who had need. Every day they continued to do what? Meet together in the temple courts. They, what did they do? They broke bread in their homes and ate together with glad and sincere hearts. Not like, oh great, look at the mess these people are making in my kitchen. All right. With glad and sincere hearts, praising God and enjoying the favor of all of the people. And the Lord added to their number daily those who were being saved so again there was not a single need the scripture tells us that when somebody needed something they would sell it you know wow frank yeah his, his, his son he's got a leg injury they don't have enough to pay for the health insurance so what, what do you got i got this you know mule we're going to sell this mule and he'll pay for frank's operation son's operation and they would just whatever they needed they would just literally give of one another they were so selfless and they would sit around and they would eat and worship and gather together now i'm going to ask this poignant question and i already know the answer for some of us but do you have any community like that in your life like does that describe your life and your relationship with the people of the church with the, your relationship with christ followers do you have a community or do you do you have this in your life where you're i mean you could call someone and they will be over if the house gets flooded or or, or you you can you're going through a tough time and you're not just trying to figure this out on your own do you have a uh what this looks like in your life now i wouldn't be talking about it if everyone was like yeah we got that bro duh i'm talking about this because i know the answer for most of us in this room is i'm the farthest from that experience in my life as i can get i'm alone i feel like i do life by myself i'm angry with i don't like people you know i hate people we even go that far like i don't want anything to do with people inside the church I realized that that could be where the majority of us are landing. We don't have a community like what the Book of Acts describes. We're longing for it, though, on the inside, but but we don't have it. So I, I began to think, what what changed? What, what what changed from that to what we experience sometimes in the local church? What times we experience in the American church? What? What really started to shift from this, I mean, it seems like the center of what happened at the first century church was being together around the person of Jesus, eating, breaking bread, meeting together, praising in people's homes. I mean, what, what happened? How did we get so far away in what we have today? Well, culture has shifted drastically. You know what they tell us? That when the air conditioning was invented, it drastically changed the community experience. Because what did people do before air conditioning? They sat on this thing. I know some of our young adults are here, are like, I don't even know what this is. It's called a porch, right? It was this thing that, that you sat on. And my, I remember seeing my grandparents sit on this thing all the time. My grandpa always had a lawn chair out in the porch. And I'd be like, what is he doing? He wasn't doing anything. He was saying hi to people. People knew him. They But they had this thing called the porch because it was hot inside the house, right? And then this wonderful, beautiful thing called AC was invented. And we're all partaking of that today, all right? Uh, we're, it drew us from being outside all the time, and thank the Lord for it in South Texas, to being inside. And that drastically changed community right away. I mean, just that one invention drastically changed how we interact with one another, right? Because we don't want to be outside. Wait, we want to be as, as fast inside as we can because it's so hot in South Texas. But then there was another invention, and, and they didn't used to have these, but they had these things called uh, fences, right? Like we started putting fences up, and they got Taller and, and taller and taller. They used to be see-through and small. And then they began to get taller and taller. And mine's probably eight feet. And you know, that's six and a half feet or whatever it is. And then we had these things called gated communities, right? And we even said, we don't want anybody even coming into our neighborhood. We're going to put a gate in front of it. You have to have a code to get into our community, right? Like we're going to be so selective and so we're like, no one can just come in. And this invention called gates and fences were introduced. We didn't do, they didn't used to have that uh, when my grandparents were growing up. They didn't have fences. They could run all over each other's yards, right? No way. Like, dude, your plant is growing on my side of the fence. Like, get it off. I'll cut your tree down, right? Like, that's where we are. That's just where we are today. Right? And, and, then, and then the garage used to be attached from the house and you would drive into the garage and then walk out of the garage and you'd have to see your neighbor and then we, we invented the attached garage and then the garage door opener. Like you didn't even have to get out of your car. You know like Christmas with the cranks. Like she gets in the car and just like I'm hiding from everybody. You can get in and get out and not see anybody. Like it drastically changed how we interact with our neighbors. It drastically changed, right? And, and, and it didn't stop there. I mean, we just this the, the started, to, you know, we don't even have to shop anymore. We used to go to shopping malls. Remember those terrible things, right? They're called malls. You have to go and there's thousands of people there. I don't think I bought one single thing from the mall this year. I think, I think this was enough for me. Amazon.com, baby. And one day, I don't even have to see the guy that delivers it. There's going to be a drone that comes to my house. It's going to land and I'm going to be like, Yes. No human interaction. Awesome, right? right? And then they invented Instagram and texting, so we don't have to call each other anymore. I can literally just text you a little smiley face. I don't even have to talk to you. Just... Hey, are you busy? Yes. No, I'm not busy. I'm not doing anything. But I can say yes because I'm not looking at you, right? It drastically changed their interaction with one another. It drastically changed how we connected. And more and more, you know, they tell us that, you know, social media is fantastic, but the more and more we engage in social media, the less social we are as a human race. Isn't that interesting? But it's just created these these wedges between what used to be. And listen, I'm all for AC and Amazon drones, okay? I'm all for it. I love it. But i got to admit that it's drastically changed how I interact with my world. They're all good things, but I'm talking about on a relational level, uh, it's rewritten how we do community. And so for a moment, I found this, version of of acts chapter 2 rewritten now don't this isn't in your bible so don't go looking for this okay but someone rewrote this uh acts chapter 2 version to to maybe be a little bit more honest and reflective from what today looks like in our world so just kind of buckle up for a second now i'm not talking to one person today specifically but just hold on to your seats this is i think has some a lot of truth in it again this is not in your scriptures But if I was to rewrite Acts chapter 2, this person rewrote it and they wrote it like this. The Christians were devoted to themselves and occasionally got to church when they had time. No one was filled with awe because there were no signs and wonders performed by the believers. Very few of the believers were together and had almost nothing in common because they had no real time with each other. If they sold something, they used the money to buy something better for themselves. They ate on the run, kept to themselves, and were too rushed to enjoy one another, or to give praise to God. They claimed to love God, but they didn't really love each other, and they felt very empty and alone. As a result, most people disliked them, and very few people were ever saved. Almost a snapshot of the American church. Now I'm glad Westover Hills has a strong community here, but some of you coming from an outside community. And that's exactly what you experienced. I don't even like those Christians. They they claim to love people, but they don't even love. And you've had that experience. And most of us have had an experience like that where we've been rejected by a community. But Jesus, we're talking about Jesus and how to love like him. Jesus broke bread. Jesus modeled that if you're going to love people like me, then you're going to share my love with people. And tonight that's what we're going to talk about. Three simple, three simple communities that God invites us to share. That's what breaking bread is, right? We used to take a communion bread and we used to pass it around. Yet everyone got to share. My wife hated that because she thought it was unsanitary, right? But everyone shared from the same piece of bread, okay? It, it was a, the symbol of I have something and I'm going to share it with you. There are three community groups that I truly believe if we're going to love like Jesus, that's the goal. That's what we've been talking about. If we're going to love like Jesus tonight, then we have to share Jesus with these three community pe- places. And before I get into that, I just want to, for a moment, just kind of frame up those three phrases, those three communities. Our, our culture really does celebrate independence. Pull yourself up by your bootstraps. Get it done. You know. You know go after it. Go after it. You, you don't need anybody else. You can do this on your own. But i got to be honest with you. The whole model of being a Christ follower is the absolute opposite of independence. It's total dependency on Him. And He wrote it in there, we need each other. That's why we say at Westover Hills, we're better. We're better. There's a dependency. I need you and you need us. That we have to fight against this pull to be these independent, loner Christians. I always tell people, if, you're, if you don't have a church, you're, and you call yourselves a Christian, you are a spiritual orphan. You are trying to figure this out on your own. And you have no support. You have no direction. You need the local church, and the local church needs you. Because that's the way God designed it, as a dependency on Him and a dependency on one another. Cast your cares. He says on Him. We prayed about that because He cares. But it also says, confess one to another. It says that iron sharpens iron. It's talking about you and I doing life together. That was how He designed it. So as we jump into this lens of community and how we're supposed to love like Jesus, then we're supposed to share with these different groups. I want us to take that approach. That maybe you're here and you just truly are an independent woman or independent man. I appreciate that. But to truly share the love of Jesus, you have to experience dependency on Him and the dependency of others in this room. That's how it works. So there are three people, three groups. We're going to share the love of Jesus. Or Excuse me, we love like Jesus when we share the love of Jesus with other believers at church. What do you mean? This is really important, what we're doing tonight. What we do on the weekends is highly valuable. Paul says it, there was something going on in his day. Uh, there, there was there were some issues going on in the Corinthian church, and he would speak to the Corinthians and he would say, Guys, we're getting it wrong. We're 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 here, we're beating each other up when we come together. No, that's not what it's about. And the writer of Hebrews tells us this, and he says, This, let us consider how many, how we may, that's you and I, spur one another toward what? Not hatred, but towards love and good deeds could you imagine not having a community where you're surrounded by people who are going hey how can we make our community better like how can we make our world different how can we make our world a better place how can we make our world brighter because it's dark right now that's the kind of community that this does this allows us to come together and go we can do something better for our community we can build a sports complex and see it reach Hundreds of thousands of teenagers and kids that would never step foot in a sermon, but they're going to see a coach who loves Jesus and they're going to be drawn to the person of Jesus. How, but you know where that came from? Us gathering around going, what do we need? What do we need to do for our community? He says this, not giving up, what does it say? Meeting together as some of you, now maybe I shouldn't say you, that's not there, as some are in the habit of doing. I don't want anybody feeling personal, right? This is just a general, some are in the habit of doing, but encouraging one another, and all the more as the day approaches. Now I know I'm preaching to the choir about this one, because guess what? You're here tonight, right? You value, you got through the traffic on 1604, you pushed through 151, you pushed through Calabra. I mean, you got, you got here, and whatever you had to do, you're here, some of you just walked in 10 minutes ago, hey, we're still glad you're here. You got here, right? You grabbed some food from the cafe, you shoved it in your face, and you're like, I just, I just had to do what I had to do to be here. So I'm not talking to you. All of you watching online. No, I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. We love you. We love you. We're grateful for you. I'm, not, I'm just teasing. But you know what I'm talking about. Some of us, it's been a long time since we walked through those doors. Tonight was like once in a bloom. We, we have not been in a church for so long. It's a return home. And you know what? You'll be honest with you. are like, this feels right. This feels good. Why? Because this is how we were intended to share Christ's love with one another. When I look over here and see... And see uh, aristotle to see just man just jumping in in worship i know what god's done in his life when i see and pray for a gentleman over here and, and god sets him free and god heals his heart and god man there's some i wouldn't experience that on my cell phone at home there's something about coming together in a place like this and hearing our voices say he's worthy he's worthy holy 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 there's something about that there's something valuable about that and we're able to share. when this, There could have been someone here tonight who didn't want to sing holy, holy, holy. Who isn't, who isn't singing great is thy faithfulness. They're frustrated. But when they see their neighbor in tears down their face and they see the young lady who's here tonight who's cancer free, tears down her face going, faithful, he's faithful. Something has the potential to get inside of them and begin to say God must be faithful and I'm filling it in this room. That's, that's, that's how it starts. So we've got to share the love of Jesus with other believers Here at church, I wrote this in my notes, presence is powerful. Being in each other's presence is a powerful thing. It's one thing to see on Facebook, but it's another thing to see in real life. You look better in real life than on Facebook, all right? Your angle was kind of weird, right? No, you look awesome here. Presence is powerful. There's something about when I say, I'm going to be praying, you know, I'll be praying for you. I'll be praying for you. And there's another thing to lock arms with you and say, let's pray with you right here, right now. You get with the prayer team and say, I just need someone to agree with me that my teenager is going to come to know Jesus. I need someone to agree with me that tomorrow the doctor, I'm going to get a good report. Like there's power in presence. Today, I think it came out today or yesterday. Yesterday was Tuesday. Most of the new movies come out on Tuesday. I saw it. It showed up. I had an alert because I've been waiting for this, right? Uh, The alert showed up, popped up. It says, it's available New movie came out yesterday, Moana. Oh man, that movie came out for the for the first time. So my kids got excited, like, yeah! We've been trying to bootleg it on YouTube. We can't find it, right? And so finally, the real thing came out. No more of the fake stuff and the you know whatever. You know what I'm talking about? And, and so uh, finally, I'm like, yes, we purchased the movie. And so we're excited. We're gonna we're gonna watch this movie, right? Well, how crazy would it be, would it be if I said, okay, son, you're going to go in, uh, in your room, you're going to get on your tablet, and you're going to watch it from in there, and then Lily, you're going to come, and you're going to watch it on the TV, because she likes the big TV, right, or, you know, the living room TV. All right, I'm going to be in my room, I'm going to watch it on my phone, and we're all going to experience this wonderful movie in three different rooms. Five, that's so crazy. Like there's something about being there and seeing that chicken scream and punching each other and my son making fun of, you know. There's something fun about being in the same room, right? At the movies we almost got kicked out because we were laughing so hard. (laughs) Something about being in the same place. There's power in presence. You would never do that. You would say, come on, let's gather around and let's do life together. We have to share the love of Jesus with one another. You know that the average church attendance right now, this is just sad, but it's real. Hear my heart, it's real. The average church attender attends church once a month. It used to be twice a month, and we celebrated that. Wow, twice a month. <gasps> now it's once a month. It's going backwards. In one hour. In one hour. What what could we possibly? Now, we, we're not saying we change people's lives, but we've got to give God our best. We've got to give God our best. We've got to prioritize our time in His presence, our time with people in the church. We've got to prioritize it because the truth is we could do better if we wanted to. We could be here more if we want, if we just prioritized. If we just said, you know what, this is as important as soccer. This is as important as the news thing. This is just as important as we can do better. Because this, we can't sacrifice this. He said, listen, don't, don't forsake this like some of you have. Don't forsake it. This is important. And let me just speak to my young adults for just for a moment. So some of you are going to say, what does that even mean? My young adults, you'll get this. Please don't reduce church experience to a podcast or, or a Facebook clip. Being a Christ follower is this right here in this. You cannot get this from watching YouTube. You can't get this from listening to a podcast only. I, love, I subscribe to hundreds of them, Okay. But the reality is, I need to see your face, and you need to see each other's face. Do not just boil it down to some small trite. I just got to get a, a sound bite from this guy, or a, or a sound bite from this person. Church is way more than that. It's the presence of God that we just come together. The Bible says, "Where two or three are gathered, He shows up." There's power and presence. So the first community is with church people. All right. A church, just did, doing this on the weekends, doing this on Wednesday. This is important for your spiritual health, for your spiritual growth, to being a true Christ follower. But we got to share the love of Christ in a second community, and that's with the committed community of people. We call those here at Westover Hills life groups. But we, we, we can't avoid the fact that this is really big, and this is really powerful for celebration, but it's really also very difficult for someone to know your name in this kind of a setting. We get it. Which is why we said it's so important to us. We created the ministry of life groups where we break this down into smaller groups where I can look eyeball to eyeball across the living room or a Starbucks or wherever you go, uh, wherever your life group meets and say, do you know me and you know me and I know you and I can celebrate you and you can celebrate me. That a committed community of people is where also we share Christ's love. It's a place where my needs can be made known and I can begin to know the needs of others. And be the servant we talked about last week to a group of people that's tangible in my life, a committed community. Ephesians says it this way. This is a longer version, but I, I want you to I want you to hang on. Don't get bored. All right. Ephesians chapter four, verse twelve through sixteen, says this: that the pastors, my job, that's what it says, to equip. Well, who's to equip? The pastor's job, the leadership job of the church, is to equip his people for works of service, so that the body of Christ may be built up. Well. For how long? Until we reach all, all of us, reach unity in the faith and the knowledge of the Son of God and become mature, obtaining the whole measure of the fullness of Christ. That's thats a huge task, and so it's not going to happen anytime soon. We're still trying to urge us to unify and be mature in the person of Jesus. Verse 14, then we will no longer be infants tossed back and forth by the ways and blown here and there by every wind of teaching and by the cunning and craftiness of people in their deceitful scheming. In other words, we get tired of hearing people say, "I used to go to church. I used to be a Christian." You know how we take care of the "used to be"s? We get people in community groups. We get people in life groups. We get people getting around one another, going, "Hey, uh, you're drifting. Let me let me help you." Like like the Bible says that we're supposed to, eat, you know, we're supposed to help those who drift just gently back to the Lord. We can't do that in this kind of a setting, but we can do it in a life group. Instead, speaking the truth in love, we not I, not one person, the group. Will grow to become in every respect the mature body of Him who is the head that is Christ. From the whole body, from Him, the whole body joined together, there it is, that word again, together, by every supporting ligament, grows and builds itself up in love as each part does its work. If that's not a picture of being in community with life, with being in a group of people who know me and I know them, I don't know what is. I don't know what is. But the Word of God says they went from house to house. It's intentionally inside the the whole uh, setup here as Christ's Father. If I'm going to love like Jesus, then I need to share my life with people in that kind of an intimate setting. And let me tell you, I'm an introvert, by far the biggest introvert in this room. You're like, no way, yeah. That's why standing on here every Wednesday night blows me away every time to the Lord because I'm like, I shouldn't be the one standing up here. But I have to open up my heart. I have to open up my busy life and say, you know what? I don't want to do this alone. I need other parents who have been where I've been. I need to pour into new parents who are just now starting out. It's a give and take. And that is life groups here at Westover Hills. And if you're not in one, let me just speak. I'm serious. It's not a sales pitch. I mean this with all my heart. If you're saying, well, I want that. I want that. I've been looking for that. And I can't find one where I live guess what? Start it. Step out in faith and say, I'm going to be the answer to the prayer that somebody else is praying, sitting in my row, sitting in my church going, will somebody just please know me? You could be the answer to a prayer request by just saying, I'll do it. I'll I'll open up my home. I'll lead this life group at Starbucks. I love Starbucks. I love eating and drinking. I'll do it at Las Palapas. Okay. I'm in. I'm in. Would you open up and say, maybe, maybe God has been stirring, you can't find a place, you didn't work like this, and doesn't fit, but, but life groups could be the very piece you fit in here at West Over Hills. We have to share the love of Jesus with the commuted, a committed community. And then lastly, as we wrap up, number three, we have to share. If we're going to love like Jesus, we have to share the love of Jesus With those in need. And how do you know the needs of people? You have to, like we talked about last week, have ears, eyes, and a heart that cares. But Matthew chapter 9 catches Jesus in one of these moments. Matthew chapter 9 verse 10, while Jesus was having dinner, there he's eating again, he's eating again. (laughs) While Jesus was having dinner at Matthew's house, how many, it says, I don't know, it just says many. Many tax collectors and who? Sinners came and ate with him and his disciples. If we're going to share the love of Jesus, we're going to have to share it with people who don't know Jesus. That's, I think, the heart of who he is. He's eating with these people. And when the Pharisees saw this, here those guys again, they're going to call. They asked the disciples, why does your teacher eat with tax collectors and sinners? Who did they ask this question to? The disciples, right? They asked the disciples, but who's going to answer Jesus, he ain't going to let somebody, he's going to stand up for himself right here. On hearing this, (laughs) I love that. On hearing this, you know Jesus was just sitting there the whole time going, they're going to ask the dumbest question. Okay. He gets up and he answers. Jesus said, it is not the healthy who need a doctor, but the sick. He's going to say, I didn't come for the healthy. I came for those who are sick. Who need? That's what he says. It is not the healthy who need. He was. was i I'm, I'm going after the people in my community who need. If we're gonna love like Jesus, we're gonna have to open up our homes to people in this church who need Jesus. We're gonna have to open up our church to people who need Jesus. It can't be closed off. We got. We got enough. We're good. Get away. We got. We got this. Too many people say that all the time you're a large church yeah you know why we're a large church you know why we're never going to stop growing because there are people in need and if if there is a seed in this place we're going to say bring them because we're going to point them to Jesus because we want to share we want them to have what we have it's good Paul said taste and see that it's good we know he's good I I want my friends I want my lost friends I want them to know Jesus so we share it with those in Acts chapter 2 we'll wrap up and it just says this they broke bread in their homes they ate together and were glad and the Bible says and the Lord added to their numbers daily it doesn't happen by accident it was intentional we have to intentionally share this moment over and over again the moment where we're in life groups over and over again and we gotta be open to those who are in need who don't have a clue who Jesus is we say why he came, but we don't often talk about how he came. He came eating and drinking. He came with this invitation to relationship, not religion. But come, come get to know me. Come sit down. Let's, let's have a burger together. Let, I'm hungry for water Whataburger right now. Let's do this. Let, 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 me, let me build a relationship with you. Not, it's not about getting into a church building. It's about doing life together. It's about being in life groups. It's like, it's just about being in a life, a, a community that's producing life. We believe we have here. We believe we have that here at Westover Hills. So, there it is. The word of God's been preached. Now it's time for us to respond very quickly. And I'm gonna ask us to do something very churchy, I know, but would you bow your heads and close your eyes, again, at that personal introspective moment? And we're gonna be dismissed here in literally a moment, but... I know there are people here watching online, truly. I know there are people here watching online that, you're, you, you know, you truly feel like you're alone. You truly feel like you don't have the community. And our heart breaks for that. Our heart does. As a church, we want you to, we want to know you. We want you to be known. That's, that's, that's a vital importance to us. We're better together. And if you're not a part of this, then man, we're not better. That's what that means. So we need you. We're inviting you to step one step closer to us as we step one one step closer to you. And what we offer in that stepping closer to one another is not perfection or that we're never going to hurt you or that we're going to make all the right decisions all the time. But what we have to offer is Jesus, who is perfect, who can help us when we mess up and cover our sins when we don't do things, you know, like the way we're supposed to. We offer you a relationship with Jesus. So my invitation tonight is just simply this. You've heard the word of God. We're to share our, our lives with one another. We can't neglect doing this, this moment. We can't neglect being in a life group and we can't neglect inviting people to church, to our life groups. We can't, we can't leave them out. They need what we have. So I'm just gonna pray a pastoral prayer of commitment over us, that we would commit. we would be a church that's committed to this kind of moment, a corporate moment of worship and praise and the word a personal commitment to join a life group or start a life group or jump into a life group or co-lead one or open up your home or maybe just, you know what, I really have been closed off to the outside. I felt like I was comfortable in my little Christian world and my little Christian group of friends. Maybe you need to open up that group of friends and invite someone who doesn't know Jesus. Father, I pray a prayer of commitment to our church that we would be that church that is a model of Acts chapter 2. That people, when they look into our windows, figuratively, God, they, they're in awe of what's happening here. And that awe is you moving in us and us loving each other and us being selfless and us looking towards the needs of each other and not always looking for the needs of us. But, but God, I pray that they would be in awe. They would see your people loving on one another and truly loving on you, God, because you said that's how we'll know that we're your disciples by the love we show one another. I pray a prayer of commitment that we would commit to be a church that shares the love of Jesus, that loves like Jesus in every way. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Awesome.